0: week, one week ago, and here I am, you know, know if you've ever been involved in a sporting activity, I find myself going back to high school and track competitions, and I would go through this mental game of trying to get myself ready, you know, pumped up before my event, I always ran the 800 meters, and the 800 meters, it was actually an event toward the end, so I tried to I forget about everything until a certain point in the track competition, and then it was my time, and it was like all my energies began focusing on my race, and I was so excited. Um, I mean, I, I mean, begin my warm up, begin my stretching, then go to my warm up, and go through the whole process, so that when that gun went, when that gun went off, I was ready in my mind to go. Okay, this message began like that in my mind. This message began stirring inside of me, and something actually goes back uh, probably almost a couple months ago when uh, Jason and Tony and Jeff and I had met together over at Milk Float. And uh, anyway, we uh, Jeff was the one who mentioned this, and it was like the very next day, this verse just kind of grabbed hold and began working. And so here we are, uh, this has begun, uh, had begun working in my mind and uh, trying to to get ready. And so then last week, it was Saturday evening, and the snow was falling. And Jeff sends me this text, and it's like, so what do you think? Uh, You know, roads are getting bad, and I'm afraid. Things are getting worse, and uh, there's been some talk about the idea of us canceling. What's going through your mind? And it was like this balloon just—I mean, all went out because what that was, what's going to mean? And it's like, oh. And so, I mean, I talk to Tina about this. You know how deflating that is to get up and excited, ready, and then it's like, oh. And you know, the idea of trying to up for it again you know for this reason i actually went to jeff on wednesday night and i said to him i says hey you know i know you had talked about certain things plans you had for the month of december uh don't hesitate i i think the church needs to hear from you now don't hesitate to to give me the boot and he's like oh no 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 and so i've had from that point to this to try to get ready for this message again and so here it is The Thanksgiving message, okay. Message, and we're a little late, so you know, you know, it's all good. It'll all work, right? Okay. The title for my message is is "Thanks be to God," and you know, it's um, a wonder to me how the world has never asked themselves this question: the world as a whole. Thanksgiving, thank who? Thank what? Uh, you know, um, who deserves the credit for what's going on? And I'm thankful for my family. Well, who gave you your family? Okay. All of these things um, are, are so much uh, in in integral, such an integral part of thanksgiving and uh, in thanking God. And so, you know, as we think about the various things for. Imagine here you are, you know, the uh, uh, ideal family, you know, everybody's going around the table saying what you're thankful for. I want to try to think about some things that perhaps were not mentioned on Thanksgiving uh, dinner. So um, what we're going to do is begin with going to our text, and for those of you who would like to uh, follow, we are going to be throwing a QR code up on the board, and this has the verse that we'll be looking up throughout the sermon. So if you would like to just pull out your phone and check this out, uh, you, uh, you can follow in, in that way. So I'm just trying to make it easy on you. Oh, I know. My daughter has said I'm just trying to make it lazy on you. You know, <laughs> so uh, so we are going to be taking our text from Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 7. However, it's verse 15 kind of began, began the stirring process going through my mind. This says, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Christ Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefit, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So then... Let us go out to him, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have, uh, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking a city which is to come through him. Then let us. This is the verse. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. You know, something I'm sure you have tried to instill into your children if you're a typical parent, and that is this. Thanks, if you are thankful, thanks always demands a response. Okay? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. What is that? That's Newton's law, okay? He had the three laws on uh, uh, motion. And um, the, the third law, for every force in nature, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And in my mind, I could not think of a better definition of thankfulness than that. We have been reacted upon. That is, somebody has done something kind for us. Done something good for us, it demands an equal, equal, opposite response. That is, if we are, if we are, if there is no expression of our thanks, it exposes the attitude entitlement that we have. And how we take one another for granted and expect others to do and do and do more for us. When it comes to Thanksgiving, I have a question. Have we become stingy in thanks? In I mean, have you ever opened a gift from somebody? This is Christmas Eve. A gift from somebody and had to honestly admit that the thought that went through your mind, boy, this, they were being stingy. <laughs> you too? Uh, I mean, okay, maybe it wasn't a gift from somebody. Maybe it was uh, going and opening envelope at work and there was your Christmas. Uh, uh-huh. We, we have a way of, of doing that. But now I've got another question at the same time opposite. Has you ever, have you ever opened up a gift from somebody and found yourself thinking, oh, I can't believe they did this. This is so overwhelmed. They went above and beyond any expectation that you ever gave. And you were just so filled with, with gratitude because of that. Which describes your level of thanks? To God for his goodness so we're gonna move ahead in this sermon and we're gonna actually working our way through the text found over in Hebrews chapter 13 in talking about what is it we should be thankful for the item item on the list we're gonna talk about thanks for his people and we go back to to verse 7 for this thanks for his uh, people our brothers and sisters Verse 7 again, remember those who led you, our brothers and sisters who've gone before you. And then he says, these people who spoke the word to you and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. Now, so we we look here at this this, this section here, uh, imitating their faith, Um, we can... See this throughout this whole book, through this whole chapter. I didn't include this part of the text, but uh, chapter thirteen, verse one. We're backing up uh, seven verses to this chapter. Look at this chapter. Look at the of this whole chapter. Let the love of the brethren continue. Loving your brothers is so easy, except when it's not. Loving your brothers is so easy, except when they're difficult. And he's saying here to, to these people, let this love continue. And then he says this, do not neglect showing hospitality to strangers. For some by this have, and I, I hate this verse. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate this because of something that happened in my past. Do not neglect showing hospitality to strangers, for some by this have entertained angels without knowing it. Or as you go back to the King James Version, it says, angels unaware. And one time I was preaching, and I was talking about this verse, and I was quoting, and I wasn't even thinking about this. And for some of us have entertained angels underwear. And... And probably the man that I respected most, as a spiritual mentor, and that at that time in my life was sitting right there in the front row, and it's like, oh, and he wouldn't stop laughing. I mean, I couldn't go on. Finally, I said, "Shut up, Don." Uh, uh, and so here we find uh, this. He says. Don't neglect showing hospitality. And then verse thir- uh, 3, remember the prisoners as though you It's That is so hard. It's so hard to empathize. Put yourself in the shoes of people who are suffering. As those who are ill-treated, yourselves are also in the... You also are ill-treated. And therefore, what we know is that we can... fact that they have come here to us when it wasn't I'm telling you is reason to give thanks. Paul 1 Corinthians 11:1 said these words. He says be imitators of me. You know as it says here, imitate them. Imitate them. be of me just as I also am of Christ. Now, we have actually just finished, maybe we're not quite finished yet, with this sermon series, talking about reflections, okay? This sermon series has been the idea of taking a look at men in the scriptures, looking at their lives, and to be able to see how their life was a reflection of what Jesus was doing in their life. Okay, and so um, that is that is kind of this. However, I don't know if you know this, there was actually a secondary purpose in all of this, and that is that you, in your mind, could go one step further, and that is, it lo- Do people, when we, when other people see selfishness, impatience, pride, do they see rudeness or do they see Jesus? Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I try to keep a very vivid, high definition picture of what I know my life would be like without Christ. And it's not pretty. I remember one time here I was sitting at this pizza place because my family had taken off for the weekend and it was a Friday night at this pizza place and here I am looking around and I could not believe all the single guys here at this pizza place. And I'm just imagining that that's probably what their Friday nights look like most Friday nights. And you know, if it wasn't for Christ, what would my life be like? I look at my parents and how miserable. I mean, their their marriage ended up in a horrible, horrible divorce. I mean, it was very, very ugly. What would my life be like if it wasn't for Christ? And so, I don't know if you think about this, but even if people had never met you Christ to see the difference that Christ has made, if you were a Christian, in their eyes, you are not normal because you don't become the way you are by accident. Being kind, being generous, being thoughtful being considerate of others. I mean, these don't happen normally, and so even the world—if even if they haven't seen the contrast of before Christ and after Christ—they look at you and can see something there. What they're seeing is the reflection of Christ. Now, so that was the second purpose. However, I'll let you in know a secret there was actually a second secondary purpose behind this sermon series. And this, that you would not just look at yourselves, but that you would begin to look around at others. Look around you. Do it. Look around you. Do you realize that you are in the presence of some heroes in the faith? You are seeing the reflection of Christ working in their lives. Perfect? No, no, no. I am not saying that. Trust me, they're flawed. Some are very flawed. Uh, but you know, he, the verse we're looking at, Hebrews thirteen seven, it says, "Considering the result of their conduct, imitate their." Their faith. You see, is what causes you to hang on, to hang on to what you know is true. Even when the wind starts blowing, when the storms start coming, when trials are there, when the road becomes very, very slippery, when you're beat up, humiliated, and suffering. It's all about faith, the faith that won't let you let go. There's something there that I refuse to let go of. You see, faith is what can carry you through. And as we look around at others in this room and the trials that they've gone through, trust me, there's reason to have hope and to imitate what we see going on in them, in their lives. I say Hebrews 11, what do you think of? The faith chapter, right? (laughs) Uh, I want to... Read a little bit in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to start. What more shall I say? I tell of Gideon. He was a great man of faith. And Barak and Samson. Samson was a scoundrel. Samson was a knucklehead. I don't know about you if i have been writing this. I would not have included him in this list. And yet God seeing something in his heart including that name here. I want you to imagine the trial that Samson was going through after he had been, had pulled off, I don't know, the third or fourth or fifth had experience and here he is been having he's had his hair shaved and now he's been put in chains. here he is being chained uh, between these two pillars and now he's being humiliated, mocked and laughed at. inside of him grabbed on to faith. We look here at the others, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched by the quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight, blah, blah, blah. Go on to verse 38. I should blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, This is the word of God, but skip down to verse 38. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. But then, having gone through this list of these men of great faith, chapter twelve and verse one. Therefore, because I've just talked about all these men and what they've done, now you, therefore, since we have been they have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, those people he had just, since we are in the presence. Of such men like this that wouldn't give up. Let us. You see what Thanksgiving always demands a response, an equal and opposite reaction. You see, we find th- this in the, in the workings where he talks about imitating their faith. Therefore, since we have been great out of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance in the sin so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross in despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne. I'm telling you, when you look at the examples of your brothers and sisters, it demands a response in you a demands a response that says i want what you got i need what you've got what you what you have i look at my life and i'm thinking that's what's missing you see as a church we we're, we're one another group and this is where we come to find the motive behind our having these relationships. The motive is, I want to be like you. I want to imitate you. I want to know what makes you tick so that I can be like that too. Now, by the way, as we look at this and we especially go through this section, I want you to know this whole idea, concept of imitation is quite often... um, Abused. Verse. Obey your leaders. That's right. (laughs) Now. Obey your leaders and submit to what? And submit to them. For they keep watch over your soul as those who give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable to you. I remember one time I was going through studying this and started looking at this word obey. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Do you realize you go to the Greek language and you find out it's not the same word? It's not even the same word that is to, to put yourself under the authority as in children obey their parents, to put yourself under the authority to submit to them and to uh, carry out their wishes. No, that's not this word. The word here is um, the Greek word, um, um, where is it? There we go. Pytho. Don't I get an Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, Pytho. You know what this word means? Do you remember the time Paul was speaking before Agrippa, King Agrippa? And he was testifying there. And he was testifying about what Christ has done to him and how he appeared to him on that road. And then King Agrippa says, Paul, you've almost persuaded me to become a Christian. The word obey your leaders is that same word that's translated persuade. Only, this is weird. This is this goes one step further. Greek is very different in some ways than, than English, especially when it comes to grammar. Grammar, we have these things as far as voices, we got active voice and passive voice. Remember those things? Active! When we talk about something that's active, what are you doing? You take a ball and you throw the ball. Passive, what are we doing? The ball is being thrown to us. In the Greek language, they have a different voice, and it's actually called middle voice. And it is something that you do to yourself. So he's telling them to something you do to yourself to persuade yourself, or more specifically, to allow yourself to be persuaded. In other words, to be to have a uh, 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 this mindset that is easily persuaded. Not that you're gullible but that as you are convinced that you are not being defensive about everything, allow yourself to be persuaded by the examples of some of these heroes of faith in this room. You see, they're speaking, and they're speaking loud and clear. They're saying, don't give up. Keep on going, buddy. And we need to be, allow ourselves to be persuaded. We've been given a gift. It's a family. It's an example. I can learn from you, and I need to learn from you. And therefore, we go down to verse 15, therefore, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, a sacrifice of praise, the first lips that thanks to His name. I was listening on the radio this week, and they had this study that was done. It was done over in Great Britain. And uh, this study, what they did is sought to determine the optimal and appropriate length of a hug. Okay. Now, somebody, just before we begin here, how long do you think a hug should lap? What is the appropriate duration of a hug? One tenth of a second. second. Five Mississippis. Three seconds. Do we have any other ideas? Okay. You're wrong. A determined, How long should last? Um, should be seconds. Wow. But it was not that. That was not why I am mentioning this. Okay, because I would disagree with that myself. Okay, I'm with you a little there. <laughs> but this is why attention and why I mention this. It says they determined it should last 10 seconds in order for a person being hugged to physically and emotionally feel connected. And the point I want to try to make is you not understand, but quite often what we do in the name of connecting is not even received, not even recognized. Oh, I gave you to put my arm around me and gave you that brother hug, side hug, and yet never feel that connection. I wonder if we could say the same thing about our words of thanks to one another then. That they never feel that those words of, of thanks, that connection to you. I wonder if we aren't guilty of being Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch all rolled into one when it comes to expressing our appreciation I thank God for you those words ought to come out of our mouth a lot but under this point I want to leave you with a challenge you like challenges? You ready for a challenge? We'll try to make this easier. I want you to find somebody and say these words, I appreciate you and why. To get beyond a cliche, I appreciate you and why. I want to challenge you to somebody in this room before you leave. I want to challenge. Number two, to find somebody in your family and say those words to, and I want you to find somebody at. I'm going to say work, school, neighborhood, somebody. Three people, and say those words. Thanks for our brothers and sisters. Number two, thanks for His Word. You go back to verse seven, again, and He says here, um, "Remember those who led you," but then it says. What is it about them that we should be? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. Skip down to verse 9. Not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. For it is for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not through foods through which those who were occupied we're not benefited thanks be to God for his word let's skip down later in this chapter this chapter is pretty amazing by the way later in this chapter verse 20 now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great Shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant even Jesus our Lord equip you in every good thing To do His will. Working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. You see, that should be the Word word of God in our lives. That it would be working that which is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And then he says, piercing as far the division of the soul and spirit, even of the joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We have in our hands that gift from God and how we can be pleasing to him. And it comes in the form of his word. You go back and look at Psalms 119, Psalms 119, and you find the longest chapter in the entire Bible was written about um, how we love the word of God and what the Word of God means to us. I mean, with those, those verses that you've got written on your wall on the plaque, so many of them are found right here in Psalms 19. How can a young man by keeping it according to his Word? With all my heart I've sought me. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your Word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now why is it the Word of God came to have such a dear place in their hearts? What made the difference there? You go through here and you read through these verses and you're going to find it's because the Word of God had an effect. It took something that was was dead inside of them and brought it to life. How many of you like being a part of life? We want that, right? Are excited that uh and Amanda are here. Yeah, and they're not even here to listen to this. Some people have even tried to use the word revival. I want to say I'm very, very slow, very, very careful about using that word, revival. I think there is genuine excitement, there is genuine curiosity going on, and I think it's something that's contagious, and we ought to let it roll. It's excitement that we're feeling. However, what is revival? Revival. Let me take you on a montage of verses here through Psalms 119. 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. Revive me in your ways. Behold long for your precepts revive me through your righteousness you seeing a pattern behold i long for your precepts that's verse 40 107 i am exceedingly afflicted revive me according to your word 149 hear my voice according to your loving kindness revive me O lord according to your ordinances Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Great are your mercies, Lord. Revive me according to your ordinances. You see, part of the reason why I'm hesitant to use this word is I believe that revival always begins with repentance. Begins with change. To say, I was wrong. And yet we look here through the rest of the book and we find that there's something else at work. It's not simply the power of God that's work, but there's something to work and together with it. How I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to according to your loving kindness. Revive me according to your loving kindness, verse 88, so that I may keep the testimony, your testimony. Um uh, may I keep the testimony of your mouth. But now I want to take you to the last verse. The last verse of this. Because as you chapter and see the excitement, the love um, for, the, for the word of God, the eagerness for the word of God, then you come to the last verse. And he's just... It's jaw dropping. I've gone astray like a sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. God, I know I've strayed so far, but God, I can't forget your word. I can't forget what you've done for me. I can't just forget it and walk away from it. And God, I don't even know how to get back to me to you. So therefore, I'm asking you, God, I've gone astray. You, please seek me. Like newborns long for the pure milk of the word, First Peter two, two so that you may grow in. If you have tasted. Of the kindness of the Lord. Are you ready for a challenge? I challenge you this week to read Psalms 119, to read through it a little bit every 176 verses divided by seven. And ask yourself as you read through this, does this describe my love for the word of God? And allow that to begin its work in asking yourself, am I thankful for the word of God? Third thing, am I thankful for his grace? We skip down through uh, Hebrews 13 again. We come down and it says, do not be Verse 9, do not be carried away with varied and strange teachings? For it is good for the heart, strengthened by, by grace, and not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. For we have an altar. We have an altar on which those who serve the tabernacle, they have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin, they are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking a city which is to come. Let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Our heart is to be continually strengthened by grace. That is confirmed by grace. Established by grace. Sorry about this. There we go. The book of Hebrews was written just prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. But more than that, just prior to the destruction of the temple. And so the Jewish sacrifices were still going on. But more than that, even in the church, for those who come to Christ, there were a lot of Christians who were wanting to hang on to the old Jewish customs even though they'd come to Christ, they couldn't let go of their trust in those Old Testament sacrifices and following the the Mosaic law in matters of food as far as unclean versus clean. And they thought in some way that if they could adhere to, hang on to those things, that in some way they would be benefited. They trusted it and it became their security. When they sinned, it was a comfort to bring a sacrifice to pay for that sin. That's easy. And our text here says that they were receiving no benefit from them. So instead of these kind of ritualistic things, we as Christians are to be strengthened by by what? What's it say? By grace. As Christians, we fall, we fail. What can we use? What is it that strengthens us again? What is it? His grace. It is only by the grace of Christ. Okay, now I want to take you this further, and that is, he brings in a metaphor to help understand this. A metaphor and that is uh, um, verse 8 I believe it is I don't even where is it um, verse 10 sorry he brings in the metaphor to clarify and that is the altar why the altar where did Christ die well on the cross right he died on a cross Christ was the sacrifice right brings in a picture of the altar. What would it have been that we can look at what was the altar in this metaphor? Now the altar was where they would take the sacrifice and they would slit its throat and they would kill it. And But that altar was to mean something to us. Okay? Now by the way, You go through the Scripture, and you're going to find several things um, that are an integral part of this idea of altar. Okay? How many of you remember David's son, Adonijah? Oh, wait a minute. Who was that? Adonijah. David was an old man, and as an old man, he was no longer fit to reign as king. And so David's son, Adonijah, decided he was going to declare himself to be king. Well, Bathsheba, you remember her, Bathsheba goes to David and said, David, I thought you swore that it would be my son Solomon, our son Solomon, who would be the next king because uh, Adonijah has already set himself up declaring himself to be king. And David said, it, it's not going to be this. I'm telling you. And he, what he did is he went and got the prophet, Nathan. Remember Nathan? Yeah, Nathan was a good guy. And he went and got the priest and he got them to go and take Solomon and put him on one of his horses and they were to declare Solomon was the king. Now we've got... Two kings. And let me tell you, the rightful kingship was not going to be settled by playing rock, paper, scissors. And so, as a result of this, Adonijah was scared. And what he did is he went and fled and he fled into the temple. And going to the temple, there was a part of the temple that were called the horns. And on this altar, and he grabbed on to the horns of the altar and would not let go. And the reason is because there was something understood on to the horns of that altar. There was a protection that was involved in this. So now we fast forward and look at this altar. And inferred in this is the idea of a protection. But more than that, let me go to 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 13. And it's talking about how those who will labor for the gospel, those who are preachers, those who are elders, deserve to make a living from the gospel, deserve to be paid for what they do. And he says this in this context. He says, Do you not know those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? Don't you know that the priests they do is they eat the temple? And then he says, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar you go back through and whenever you find the altar mentioned there is also inferred this idea of a participant with the one making the sacrifices remember when david i mean not david uh, abraham was told by god to take your son your only love and uh, sacrifice him right and they go to three days journey to mount moriah and there they ended up building an altar why why did they need an altar but you see there was something that had a participation that was would go on with this idea of altar and so with that in mind let's come back but what today it's not a physical altar okay i don't think it was something physical then i don't think it was talking the the wooden cross that jesus was hanging from i think what you do is you got to go back one verse and look at the context and that is back to verse nine and you find there again that would be strengthened by grace that grace would be the one thing that we could we could put our hands on and hang on to that grace would be there to uh, um um be the, the thing that would stir us. Grace is what brings us the participation. Do you realize Christ did not die in arbitrary death? What do I mean by that? I grew up believing that Jesus died on a cross. But it had no effect in my life. No effect until I was 15 years old. It was actually the words of a song that had an impact in my life. And that for the first time in my life, I begin to realize jesus just didn't die for the of the world he died for me it was me it was my sins you know, we come together and take the lord's supper for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death till he comes right this is my body which is broken this is my body which is broken Say it. It wasn't arbitrary. It was for you. This is my blood, which was poured out for you. Your sins. And it is on that altar of the forgiveness of His grace, His mercy, and His love coming together that Jesus died. And we come and we can be strengthened. We can be strengthened by that grace. It's time we make the the cross of Christ very personal in our lives. It's time we start looking at this concept every day. That is, God, my attitude was so wrong. God, I lied, and I know it. I don't even understand why I did. God, I know I cheated him. God, I know I was not showing your love. Every single one of these things. And we have an altar that we eat from, that those in the old Testament. Oh, right to eat from what is this is an altar of grace and love. You see, we need to be thankful for the grace of God, but it's only going to begin by understanding that we need the grace of God. You ready for a challenge? Here it comes. You go through the, this chapter, and you find that Christ had to suffer outside the city. Why? Because those sanctimonious were too holy to allow somebody to die in their holy city of Jerusalem. So they would drag outside the city in some way more right. We would drag them by them outside the city. You see, in the Jewish mindset, anybody who hung from a tree was shamed, was cursed. And Christ suffered our shame outside, outside the city. And so we find our text saying now. So let's us go outside to suffer shame for his name. We live in this beautiful comfort zone. And sometimes we live in, the, in this comfort zone because it's demonious of us. Are we willing to suffer shame? Are we willing to go outside of our comfort zone, outside the city, outside of maybe what's accepted and suffer shame for him? Are we willing to go and speak for him? My challenge is this, that this week you would find one person that you would be willing to step outside of your comfort zone with and say these words, God has been so good to me. Or, you know, I think you ought to come to me. Or, however we want to do it. It doesn't have to be hard. You want to know how to do this? Are you ready for this? Here it is, practicality. In the foyer, you're going to find a bunch of these tortillas. You wouldn't believe the number of tortillas. I have to throw away because nobody takes them. You go take one of those tortillas and you go next door to your neighbor and you say, "Hey, you, we got this dude and comes to church and he brings all these tortillas and you know I know they're out of. I eat them all the time and I haven't died yet and so I think I think it'd be really cool uh, that what he's doing and you know what I just consider it part of how good God's been to me, how He provides in so many ways. So I just thought I would try to do something nice to help you. That's not hard. So find somebody. Step outside of your comfort zone and speak for Christ and be willing to suffer for his name. And you know that's thanksgiving when it comes to grace. God has done so much for me. How can I how can I help but speak? Serve. We sang a song, and I'm sitting and listening, and it was just it was so sobering to me. The words of the song we sang together, I will build my life. And the chorus of this song, holy. There is no one like you. There's no one beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. I will not be shaken. I will build my life upon your love, your trust. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to build my life on your love because it is a firm foundation. I'm just looking at that, and I'm like, that's what grace is. This message has, God has used this message in my life And I've realized there have been some things I need to do different to change. I hope that God can do the same thing in your life. Before we close, we're going to have a final song. But I want to close this message with a word of prayer. And... um, We just got word that Brenda Watts, we got word yesterday, ended up back in intensive care. And it is so amazing to me that she (laughs) is here with us still. But I just try to imagine Dan trying to go to work and spending all those hours behind a wheel driving thinking about your wife at home. So let's close with prayer, but um, also to pray for, for Brenda. Father, I thank you for giving us everything we need. God, for providing, for providing us with brothers and sisters to love us and father to, to stir us, to challenge us. I thank you for your word that we can, we can see and take with us. And father, I just pray that we could Lord, understand your grace. We fail you and fail you again, that, that you are still there eager to say, welcome home. Father, I pray for Dan and Brenda and now the trials that they're going through. I just pray that you would work as only you can. God, I know it's it's so beyond anybody, any doctor, anyone to uh, work in this situation. But, God, you know what's best. We pray that you would work your good. And, Father, we just we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand, please?